Today on the pod, we find out what could happen if Bill Street could talk. We also talk about what films we think should never be touched or remade or never have anything done bad to them. Again, George Lucas, pay attention. And finally, Jamie tells us what happens when $70 million gets spent on a picture for a pretentious art film. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Film With Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It's the podcast that is on to episode 59. You know what I say about 59? It's a little bit worse than the 69. <laughs> it's, a, it's a 69 where I owe you a tenner. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of someone I owe a truckload of money to, that leads me to my co-host for this evening. Um, you know him as Jamie, I know him as James. He is also known as the man of NASA, the man of Essex, when they want to find out what is happening on Mars. Jamie, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, mate. It's good to be back. Uh, loving life. Uh, not so sure I'm going to be hot on the pop culture, but the rest of it, I should be all right. That sounds like a dating profile <laughs> I also really enjoy long walks on the beach <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's crack on with our first review this week If Bill Street Could Talk this is a film which has caused a lot of uproar from the film community that it's been quite snubbed in the Oscars and I totally concur with those people anyway find out why in the review coming up enjoy If Bill Street Could Talk, it's a film that came out actually in December of last year in America, but only graced the screens of the UK in the last month or so. It's a romantic drama. It's written and directed by a gentleman called Barry Jenkins. The name might ring a bell. He directed a little-known film uh, called Moonlight back in 2016, and uh, that film got a bit of notoriety, and Barry decided to keep a lot of the same people behind the camera. In fact, he's cinematographer, he's screenwriters, a lot of the team that helped make Moonlight such a huge success he's brought back for his follow-up If Bill Street Could Talk. Actually, this film is based on a book by a gentleman called James Baldwin. Uh, he tried to get this film greenlit, actually, way before Moonlight, but uh, for whatever reason, couldn't get the film off the ground. Obviously, his stock has clearly risen since then and was able to get this project off the ground, and this is the follow-up film. Uh, it's set in Harlem in the 70s. It follows a, a young couple. Uh, it does kind of dip in and out of their relationship with flashbacks and, and potential flash-forwards, but uh, I don't want to go to spoiler territory there. It's themed in the 70s in Harlem about this young couple uh, called Alfonso and Clementine and it's it's really charming how they yeah you, you kind of find how they meet, how their relationships blossom. You really do feel like these two were made for each other and the chemistry between the, the leading actors on this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the cast wise it's got Kiki Levine who's playing Clementine we've got uh, Stephen James playing Alfonso we've also got people like Regina King, Tobias Paris uh, Carmen Diango, uh, Randomly, we get uh, Dave Franco popping up halfway through the film in kind of a small role. Pa uh, Pedro Pascal is also in this movie. The cast is pretty damn good. Essentially, what happens is Alfonso gets arrested for a crime he did not commit. He is suspected of rape and unfortunately has to go to jail. Uh, over this time where he's being sentenced, he finds out he's about to become a father. And Clementine has to face the prospect 
of uh, bringing a child into the world while daddy is locked up in prison. Uh, that's not the least of it though, it's about telling the family and making sure that uh, everyone is aware of what's going on and rallying around Clementine to try and uh, bolster her spirits and also figure out how they're going to clear the name of their friend Alfonso. The dads in this do an amazing job actually, uh, I think there's a real fine line here between being cheesy and just like rallying around people and, and being a really heartfelt story this definitely goes towards the heartfeltness you really do feel the sense of unity between the people like i say the, the cast the chemistry works really well this is beautiful this film there's some really nice elements of music in this there's some great use of of uh of different color palettes um across the across the canvas of the of the screen which i i really did enjoy from that uh, you know you can obviously see all the skills they've learned in all the previous films they've worked on together coming into play here it's masterful directing great storytelling uh, a real feel-good vibe to this uh, this does weigh a bit heavy in terms of the the political messages behind this and 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 i suppose rightfully so from that perspective um it was you know for for black people it was a bad time uh, you know you can't really make bones about that there was there was a lot of prejudice going around and uh, this this doesn't shy away from that but this isn't necessarily the vocal point for me the the nuts and bolts and this is the relationship between clementine and alfonso it's absolutely beautiful it's generally believable uh, and yeah I, I can't speak more highly enough of this film um, i'm clearly not the demographic for this uh, in terms of as anyone who listens to this now i'm more of a, a popcorn guy than a than the the sensitive oscar based kind of guy but i was swept away of this this is a good time this film and um, i completely concur this film should be winning everything in terms of the awards and i think history will not favor people that have snubbed this movie i also want to give a massive shout out to regina king she plays clementine's mother in this and uh, she really does have to kind of do a lot of the emotional lifting in some of these scenes and she just does it to perfection and uh, yeah you, you get drawn in you end up really rooting for the the heroes in this movie and rightfully so it's just done beautifully well in terms of how it's fared from the critics perspective i think uh, this is one of those times when the critics and the fans uh, are definitely loving this one so um, at the moment it's got 94 percent certified fresh a lot of audience scores are coming in highly as well on this i'm gonna give this four out of five i really have enjoyed this film it just feels a bit too long for me and it takes a little bit too long to get to its conclusion and also it feels a bit weighty there's a lot of a uh, lot of weight in these scenes in terms of how it goes from uh, discovering she's pregnant to obviously the the court scenes as well as the the sentencing and those moments where you have Alfonso and Clementine talking through a phone you know it breaks your heart but they do drag it out they do really you know you're, you're going for the tissues at the end of it sort of thing so um anyway I highly recommend this unfortunately it's probably going to be out of the cinema in the next couple of weeks um but when you do see it on your Netflix accounts or streaming services I highly recommend this this is good good solid acting great storytelling with beautiful narrative if bill street could talk four out of five so there you have it four out of five an absolute classic you've probably missed this one i guarantee if you see it on dvd you're going to really enjoy it if you see it on sky or streaming services get your hands on it because it is a damn good film and shame on you the oscar community for shame for not honoring that film anyway shall we crack on with news news you're a rocket man jamie <laughs> i do enjoy a good rocket that sounds really <laughs> Really bad. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. I, I love in. a Falcon Five, you know, Falcon, <laughs> heavy Falcon, Falcon rocket. I love it, mate. Yeah, I, I'm guessing we're going to talk about Elton John's movie here. 
Yes, I am. So, Rocketman, the biopic, mm. which is uh, being dubbed as a stranger-than-life story. It is basically really embracing the theatrical life of Elton John, becoming Elton mm. John. Uh, Taron Egerton is playing the lead in this, the guy from uh, Kingsman. Kingsman. He's yeah. also Robin Hood. He's yeah. a really, really good actor. And it's also being directed by the guy who done the Eddie the Eagle movie. <laughs> I quite has, like that. <laughs> has this guy got the chops to deliver those sort of films? Well, actually, he was also the guy who come in and saved Bohemian Rhapsody. When Brian Singer oh, walked right. out, he come in and saved the film. So this guy, I think, is in good company in terms of this is the mm. right guy to direct it. And we saw, we've seen tidbits of trailers. Yeah. And over the last week, I kind of knew a trailer was coming because mm. um, the the studio that are producing this have been emailing basically every press outlet out there saying, here's some videos, here's some posters, mm. here's even a video of Taron singing. Just him mm. in a studio, just singing, Tiny Dancer. And I got is that, Was that the Your Song one that you were singing? No, the song oh. Tiny Dancer. Oh, Tiny Dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a song for you. What's that yeah. called? About the Tiny Dancer. No, about, yeah, about the, the miniature dancer. What's that song called? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I've got to be honest, the guy's got pipes. Like, he can really, mm. really sing. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer yet? What, yeah, I've, I've seen the trailer today, actually. I mean, so it's, it's actually co produced, isn't it, by Elton John and his husband, David Furnish, isn't it? Yes. Um, and Which is quite interesting because I think this film looks like. It's going to go into the whole nitty gritty, which seemed to get a lot of criticism in Bohemian. Um, we, you know, we didn't go into the story about Freddie Mercury's life and his homosexuality yeah. and all that. This film doesn't look like it's going to shy away from that. It's, a, it's like a film warts and all about the the issues that you had, like in, in you know coming out and and obviously he was married and 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 the fallout from that. It looks like it's 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 going into everything, and I think that should keep quite a lot of people happy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I was listening to an interview with Taron um, uh, a few months ago, actually. I can't mm. remember what film it was. I think it was Robin Hood when he was doing the press junkets on that. And um, he's saying, look, I'm not having to go out to Heathman Rhapsody, but mm. I'm going I'm going there in this film. Mm. I'm, I'm exploring, just like Elton did, I'm exploring musically, yeah. uh, chemically, and sexuality as well. So uh, let's just say he's gone balls deep for the role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this could be a really important film for him. As, as an actor, because I think it's it's going to show the diversity of his of his acting ability. Yeah, I, I think he's an underrated actor, to be honest. Well, if you look at what he's famous for so far, we've got Kingsman, which is very much a certain role. We, you know, he played... Um, well, London Thug Boy. Yeah, London Thug Boy, and then suddenly Suave Gentleman. You know, that I think most people can... can do that Hold to that an extent. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he's gone down to Robin Hood, which is kind of like London Thug Boy again. But, yeah. but oldie worldy. Interesting um, thing on that Robin Hood though, he got that gig straight after the first Kings. That's film. right, but it was a long delay in releasing it. Yeah, wasn't because it? the film sucks and yeah. they needed to find a way oh, of getting yeah. like, finishing I, it. I love Robin Hood films. That one disappointed me. We've talked about that before. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think this one will, will really, really could be the making of him. Looking at the trailer, he looks fantastic. And like you said, his singing ability looks great as well. Yeah, he sounds so good in this. And yeah. that is all him. Like, yeah. he has oh, proper really? trained for this. And Elton has given the mm. seal of approval as well. Obviously, as you mentioned, producing the film. Mm. Um, I can't really you know, sing much more higher praises. The only thing that I worry for for this film is that it is inevitably going to be compared to Bo Rap. You've got the same yeah. director. You've yeah. got 
addressing different controversies mm-hmm. of course in terms of straight washing or or maybe not in this case and uh, yeah I don't know if it will be held up on the same on the right pedestal as a result yeah. of that especially if Bo Rap does well at the Oscars because inevitably people will be up in arms saying it shouldn't do well mm-hmm. which I'm kind of indifferent as I've spoken plenty of times this pod before really enjoyed the film I think Rami Malek's fantastic anyway let's not compare that mm. Rocket Man sounds absolutely fantastic and it looks great as well so yeah if you haven't seen that crack on with that um, Jamie, on Netflix, mm. have you been watching the Ted Bundy tapes? I haven't yet. Um... I've got to say, it's absolutely cracking. Mm. Uh, probably we'll do a streaming gem review of this uh, later on in the, in the month. But uh, Netflix are on the warpath once again in terms of acquiring new content, new stars mm. and, and content in between of that. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but a while ago there was a film commissioned and we started getting press screening shots of it um, of a Ted Bundy biopic and Zac Efron is playing the um, the lead in that. Yeah. And Ted Bundy. As Ted Bundy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. And um, that lots of people complained about it because they're going, well, this. why are we doing this as a film? Mm. Uh, there's certain serial killers out there which have a... which capture, for whatever reason, I'm not saying yeah. it's a good thing, they capture the imagination. And Ted Bundy is yeah. definitely one of those individuals. There's a lot of controversy at the moment, isn't there, about making serial killers sexy, almost. You know, they've, got, they've been a good-looking guy... Um, to 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 play one probably one of the most evil people on this planet, or well, who was on this planet? You know, he was yeah. a uh, a kidnapper, a burglar, a serial rapist, a serial killer, and a necrophiliac. You know, he's ticking a lot of boxes of yeah. what you want to avoid on on Tinder. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and that should stop you from having much notoriety unless you're in yeah. the Labour Party. But. Um... <laughs> Anyway, he went there. He let's went keep there. politics out of that. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so uh, Netflix have acquired the rights to distribute this film, mm. and uh, the reason, part of the reason why, is the success of the Ted Bundy um, documentary yeah. that they've done recently. Absolutely fantastic documentary, and uh, yes, they've been purchasing the rights to distribute that film. And um, while we're on the Netflix news, well, let's keep going there. So last mm. night, Netflix announced that Chris Hemsworth, that's right, the man himself, mm. for who's just launched a fitness app. And um, now I think he's literally like taking over the world of fitness now. And there are partners around the world downloading that for their partner and go do it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's how I learned about the app. Now, um, they've announced that they are going to be doing a Hulk Hogan biopic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's be... an origin story, though, isn't it? From what I've read. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's, like a... it's, it's his rise to fame rather than all the crap Hulk. that happened yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's Hulk, be very it's clear. It's Hulkamania, isn't it's it? It's Hulkamania, not Hulk yeah. apology. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, yes, it's going to be directed by Todd Phillips, uh, the guy mm. who directed the Hangover movies. Yeah. Uh, he's also currently directing the Joker spin-off movie with Whacking Phoenix at the moment, which is looking yeah. quite good. But I think this is a stellar casting. Mm. I think Chris Hemsworth is an absolute treasure in terms of his comedic ability. Uh, he's he's perfect, isn't guy. he? Like... like I, I can't imagine anyone else being more right for this role. This seems like, you know, occasionally you just get the perfect synergy of role and actor yeah. and nobody questions it because it's like, no. yeah, perfect. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, like, loads of really interesting people being linked. So Bradley yeah. Cooper is also rumoured to be cast as right. I want him to be Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, How amazing would that be? Bradley Cooper yeah. coming in, what you going to do? Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, we don't know much more about this. It's just been announced that Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. is going to be playing the lead in this. Uh, I assume this is with the permission of the Hulkster himself. Yeah. i got to admit, I'm, a, I'm an 80s, 90s kid, and I, I had Hulkamania growing up. Did you ever watch the Hulk cartoon? 
Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that yeah, actually. He yeah. actually had a, his own cartoon, yeah. which was uh, incredible. And the, the yellow vest, everyone had a, a copy of his yellow vest, didn't they? Yeah. Did you how many of those got ripped? Do you think by kids? Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, did anyone? Did you see any of his films? Like he, he was like, oh. probably the first proper like wrestler to Wasn't do there one, film thing. The nanny. Yeah. The nanny. I watched that one. Secret Agents Club. <laughs> God, yeah. Which was uh, yeah, basically in like yeah. a period of, like three years, he was in like basically every family mm. movie. Going, he even does a brief cameo in Gremlins. Yeah, he he was the original wrestler actor, wasn't he? Really? Yeah. So, like a, a lot of people, a lot of I suppose that we film kind of mm. owes a lot to him from that perspective because you think yeah. people like The Rock, who's killing it now, basically uh, world's biggest actor. And then there was obviously the Fly on the Wall uh, documentary, wasn't there? That you know, not documentary, like, like, like the Ozzy Osbourne, the Osbourne sort of show, wasn't it? Where they followed his family around. Yes, yeah, they followed him around. So he, yeah. he done reality and TV his daughter. as well. <laughs> his daughter nice <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh, yeah like I say Chris Hemsworth the man is going to be taking on that role mm. so more Netflix news just smack 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 yeah. Netflix news so Haunted of Hill House yep absolute classic best TV show of last year we gave it our show of the year it was the streaming gem of all streaming gems we absolutely loved it possibly the only thing that's made me actually jump in a long time oh my god the crooked neck twist I, I, I kind of saw that one coming I can't say ah, that. Ah, bullshit. No, no, no. No one saw that. Ask the missus. I saw that. The bit that really got me was the bit when they were driving in the car. Oh, and, and she comes forward yeah. between them. That shit me up, man. <laughs> no joke. No, I was like, what? Uh, we had to pause it <laughs> to, you know, to console yeah, ourselves right. for a minute. Spent Haunt, Hill House, Haunty, um, being filmy fact. In every episode, there is at least three hidden ghost scenes. As what? in, there will be a reflective mirror yeah, obviously yeah. Adam because that's how reflections work be like a, 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 <laughs> a non-reflective mirror <laughs> a window closing and yeah. you'll see a shimmer of a ghost or when the kid's in bed yeah. there'll be what looks like a lamp but then for a, a split frame it'll be a ghost overlooking her there's something like 45 hidden ghosts Jesus in Christ. the Haunting of Hill House I don't know that exact number I'm sure someone will correct me on it mm. um, I'll tweet out on their Twitter account later an article showing it you will go back and watch it and go, what the fuck? Anyway, oh. um, it's actually based on a book, yeah. um, a very well-known book. That book has a sequel, and Netflix are going to be doing yeah. a sequel. now. It's Henry James, isn't it? Uh, yes. Turn, turn the Screw, I think. Of it, that's, it? Yeah. yeah, that's the sequel. And uh, mm. Mike Flanagan, the guy who directed, he's a really busy guy, because straight after he done um, Haunting of Hill House, mm. uh, he is currently directing the sequel to The Shining, called oh, wow. Doctor Strange I think or Doctor Sleep I can't remember mm. the exact name I think it is called uh, Doctor Sleep and uh, he also directed films for Netflix he done Gerald's Game which we reviewed a couple of years ago <laughs> is, is that the one with the sex strapped to the bed strapped to Stephen the bed King. dog comes and eats the guy yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's got a history of working with Stephen King's yeah thanks already. for ruining that one for me Stephen King <laughs> not allowed to do that anymore <laughs> just in case yeah well, thanks we can't, we can't go for a kinky weekend yeah. like Stephen King yeah thank you <laughs> so um, anyway Netflix announced that they are doing the sequel The Haunting of By Manor yeah. um, it is going to be Mick Flanagan coming back to direct it once he has finished doing his, his mm-hmm. latest cinematic endeavour I cannot wait it's going to be called yeah. Turn the Screw yeah um, very very similar isn't it but but you know obviously it's not going to be exactly the same thing you know it, but it's a very similar like old house family we think generations they? Following, but they've yeah. they kept it very quiet haven't they what are yeah. going to do it's made me want to get the book though yeah definitely. Um, I definitely will hopefully crack on with that before um, before that comes out so anyway 
let's, let's pause Netflix for a minute and let's talk about other stuff that's happening. So Edgar Wright, one of my favourite directors, one of Britain's treasures, absolute yeah. fantastic guy, has brought some amazing roles to and films to the screen. He has got a new film in the works. It's going to be called Last Night in Soho. Mm-hmm. The cast is absolutely stellar. Um, but it's also fair to say that his writing style probably yeah. needs to change a little bit more for, for mm. more modern times. He's going to definitely focus on a female protagonist. That female right. protagonist... Um, is going to be Tamison McKenzie, mm-hmm. but also Matt Smith, the Doctor. Yes, is going to be in this as well. Uh, there's there's tons of people that's been already pulled into this film, but we don't know a lot about this film, do we? Correct me if I'm wrong. We know it's a thriller. Yeah, we know it's probably going to be flashing back between the '60s and modern day in Soho. Yeah. And that's it. Is that all we know? That's all we know. It's I I, okay. I work around Soho and people who know, we do rent a studio in Soho from time to time. Mm-hmm. That place is so vibrant. It's got such a history. There's mm-hmm. there's If the Walls Could Talk, if Soho Street could talk. Um, It'd be an R-rated movie. It would be an R-rated movie. <laughs> but this is right up the street of Edgar Wright. You know what? I still kind of want him to do like the first sequel to one of his movies. I, I still want to hear mm-hmm. that Baby Driver sequel. Why? Because the soundtrack would be fucking killer. Yeah. But also because uh, John Barifmo, whatever his name is, the Punisher dude who's in that, said, if you don't see me again, I'm dead. And right. you never see him again in that film. And I don't want to believe that after he got axed in Punisher, his character's also dead as well. Fair enough. But anyway, speaking of which, when I'm talking about the Punisher <laughs> stuff being cancelled, Eminem mm. tweeted Netflix today just saying, you're really fucking up. The whole world's gone. The real Slim Shady has stood up here. Yeah. This is incredible. And I've got to admit, that, that was uh, just on a personal sidebar, Punisher was a slow burner for me. Yeah. And then once I got past the third episode of the first season, binged the whole lot. It yeah. was awesome. It was, it was brilliant. I'm fine that season two at the moment. Like, yeah. it is a bit of a slow burner on this. And mm. I've... Any show where the majority of it is just people sitting around a table talking about PTSD probably isn't going to draw you in, but somehow it does it. Yeah. And then those action scenes are like the icing on a very good cake. Um, it's just such a shame that yeah. you know, what has happened has happened. And, and Netflix has always been a bit of a champion of... Well, I felt like, to an extent, they've not always worried so much about the numbers. If there's a certain number, then they carry on I making think it. I think nothing to do with the numbers. But I think the numbers are successful with it. I think what is Disney pulling out their big Disney dick and saying, uh, we are having a streaming service, we want these characters on here. Also, Netflix are investing $8 billion. Uh, that, sorry, last year they invested $8 billion in original content. This year, it's more like $13 billion. Jesus. Now, the costs of making these shows are very expensive because yeah. they very high production value yeah. very good actors on top of that you are acquiring the license to a very hot property which yeah. I'm sure Disney charged Netflix a lot of money to do yeah. Yeah. where if you look at Haunting of Hill House or things like maybe not House of Cards but their original content where they haven't had to pay such high licensing yeah. fees it makes sense to keep churning that stuff out from a business than, point of view yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a business decision it's yeah. a fucking shitty business decision but it but is what it is. Ultimately, we want Netflix to be successful because we enjoy the service. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, I think Disney will revive these shows, but there is there is a contractual agreement that yeah. if Disney ever decides to revoke the rights for Netflix to make and distribute shows based on these characters, yeah. there must be a cooling-off period of two years. Right. So there is two years from the moment that show has been officially... I don't know if it's from when they've stopped filming or from when they officially cancel it, but they've got two years before they can use those those characters or those oh. uh, actors again. Okay. So that's that's it. We're two year basically in two years time. Hopefully, touch wood, we will have these shows back, but they'll be on Disney. 
Okay. Um, anyway, on to less controversial news. Let's talk about Jason Reitman. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, yeah. Quite so, less controversial. So, mm. uh, as we mentioned a while back and talk film with me, that a new Ghostbusters movie is in the mm. works, and Jason, the son of the original director, has asked, well, not asked, he has got the keys to the kingdom. He is bringing yeah. Echo One back to our screens with the original cast. And. Um, a lot of people were very happy. A mm. lot of people were also disappointed, especially if you were a fan of the Paul Feig movie. Mm. And then Jason thought, you know what? I'll tweet out something which will get people really happy. And he tweeted out saying that this film will hand the movie back to the fans. Now, initial reaction was, dude. Don't tweet anything. Yeah, don't tweet anything. <laughs> just, just be quiet for the next three years. <laughs> but also, on top of that, you kind of know the toxicity that the Pool Five movie had, yeah. And also, some of the cast have come out and said, "Like this, this is pretty shitty." Like you're basically saying that that film was nothing. He doesn't. Yeah, he's saying that that film wasn't. Well, what people thought was he saying yeah. that film wasn't part of the universe. You know, that let's ignore that film even existed and let's carry on where we finished off in 1989 or whatever it was. Yeah, and uh, so a lot of people have been a bit upset about this. Mm. Now, Jason Reitman has come out and. He's uh, confirmed, or shall I say, he has reaffirmed what he meant by it. Yeah. Of, look, it's a semi, semi-apology, semi isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's the it's, it's, yeah. it's closest thing you're going to get to an yeah. apology. You're saying, look, like, whoa, it's been taken out yeah. of context. Um, all I meant is that we've got great fans and yeah. people want to know what happens to the original yeah. cast. Yeah. And that's all I mean by it. I'm a big fan of the Paul yeah. Feig movie. And even Paul Feig has come out and actually stood up from saying, look, no, he was a gentleman. He was a big supporter of yeah. my movie. And uh, yeah, you can have a world where... Yeah. You've got the 2016 movie, yeah. and if you're a fan of that, you've got that movie. Yeah. It's, it's there. part of the larger universe, isn't it, of Ghostbusters? Well, exactly. And, and it, could, it could end up, but the Ghostbusters becomes a bit one of, one of these franchises where we, you know, the franchise we don't want possibly, where you get lots of different universe-type films coming out of it. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. Who knows? Um, I I'm, I still stand by it. I don't yeah. like the 2016 movie, but I'm, it can perfectly exist. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one of those difficult ones, isn't it, where I think when you compare it to the original with... You know, it just it had a different feel to it. I didn't mind it. It's I didn't, a I didn't mind it. Movie. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mind the yeah. 2016 film. Particular, uh, partic- I thought the, you know, it had a very strong cast. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I, I'm actually one of those few people that likes McCarthy. <laughs> I, think <laughs> I, think, I think I think she's hilarious. I generally enjoyed um, um, Happy Time Murders, but that got a yeah. ra- that got a raspberry or whatever it's called. Yeah, now. and I, and I watched that uh, one that she did recently where she went. I can't remember what it's called now. She went back to college, and her daughter was there after divorcing the, the, her husband or whatever, uh, and it got like two stars or something like that. Hilarious. Yeah. I, I love Spy. Yeah. Spy's a good film. Yeah, Spy's a great film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he also pissed off quite a few people, didn't he, by saying um, he promised not to make it the Juno of Ghostbusters. And so, yeah, then a whole, oh my God, a whole really? fan base of like, Juno's a brilliant film. What are you talking about? So he managed to piss off quite a few subsets yeah, of people. Just, just stop tweeting. Jason, <laughs> yeah. Jason put your phone yeah. down. Put your phone yeah. Focus on making a really good movie. Yeah, and just pretend Twitter doesn't exist. Yeah, well, that's probably a good thing for, <laughs> for a lot of people, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah so... Uh, so- I, I am so hyped about this Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. I am, I don't want to be one of those man babies that scream into the void. Um, but I, there's a part of me that's going, yes, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. You've got the guy who is literally in his DNA directing it, and that doesn't mean you can't have other people in the toy box, right? No, yeah, exactly. So um, anyway, uh, and that's your news for this week. Jamie, we like films, don't we? It's been said. <laughs> um, 
there are some films out there that I believe are generally untouchable films that mm -hmm. uh, should never be remade we should never go back to and try and redo or add CG animals over the top of them or do sequels to them I put a quick question out to the bat signal to some of our people some people that listen to us some people that like us and some people we aspire to be and kind of ask the general question of are there a fi what films are just untouchable to you mm -hmm. films that you do not want to see a remake of or a sequel done or anything like that I'll go through some of the suggestions that have been given back but there's a couple that pop straight into my mind I know it sounds really weird but you know Hot Shots yeah I love those films yeah they, they can't they, they've got a place in history yeah I don't think if someone tried to make Hot yeah. Shots now they'll be any good it's that sort of genre isn't it Hot Shots Naked Gun Airplane Leslie Nelson in, yeah that guy they just need not to be touched yeah, don't touch and they kind of like they never done a Hot Shots part trois or, or whatever you yeah, want yeah. to describe it as yeah and imagine if Charlie Sheen come out of... I don't know if he's in retirement, and, and uh, I just assume he's working on whatever projects Charlie Sheen wants to work on. Yeah. Imagine if he come back and done a, a Topper Harley movie now. Um, uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a train wreck, wouldn't it? I think... Uh, yeah, I suspect it probably would. I don't think it'd live up to what we'd hope it would be. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many classic comedies from that era that you wouldn't yeah. want to... I wouldn't want to see another airplane movie, no, for example. No, no, I think, you know, Robin Hood, Men in Tight, Spaceballs, they are perfect as they are. Yeah, don't touch any yeah. of Mel Brooks stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, in particular on that as well. And yeah, there's there's just general summary classic. Obviously, mm. one of the things that springs to mind, although it was a trilogy, I'd never come back to Back to the Future like it's perfect. Uh, man, I've written that one down. <laughs> I've written that one down. Yeah, like that was planned to be a trilogy. It, it's, yeah, that's perfect. Like, back to the Future cannot be improved upon. Leave it. Yeah, it's, 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 it is, yeah. in my opinion, probably the perfect trilogy. Yeah. Although, saying that the third one's, meh, I could take it or leave it. But yeah. the first and second film's absolutely classics yeah. on that. So I asked, um, I asked, uh, like I said, the Twitter community out there, and I've had tons of replies back. Jamie, give me your, your opinion on this. So someone has uh, got back to us straight away and said, The Princess Bride, Back to oh. the Future. We agree, that's a classic, yeah. don't touch yeah. it. Uh, Goonies and Casablanca. Now, if anyone touches the Goonies, I think it's all fair to say we write. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Goonies is a bit of a classic. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with Princess Bride. Totally agree with that. Princess Bride, it, the Princess Bride is, I think, within that same... Is that Mel Brooks as well? It is, isn't it? I don't know. I have to... Have to um, that it's in that same sort of genre. So, yeah, totally yeah. agree with that. Goonies, I think you'd lose the feel because I don't think it translates the modern age you know rather than kids going out on adventures it would be about them building something on Minecraft on the Xbox and I don't yeah. think it would work in the same way you know I don't, kids don't I don't think go out much as much and have adventures like the Goonies did so I don't think that would translate well to the modern film there was this time when Amberlin Films mm. managed to capture childlike innocence yeah. in such a way right think about E.T. how yeah. I mean that, the score helps that right John Williams is an absolute genius and I yes. don't think we'll ever have a composer like him again and yeah. um, the music helps those sort of things. I think mm -hmm. the Goonies probably laid track to a lot of that nostalgia. Yeah. That sort of thing. Casablanca, uh, I'm going to be honest, it's one of those, uh, one of those films I never watched. No, nah, me neither. Uh, uh, and I feel like it's one we probably should have watched. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I kind of want to say I probably don't really shouldn't have an opinion on it because I haven't seen it. But I feel like it's one that probably could be remade in the exactly the same. It could be exactly the same. Um, 
but could just be made with modern. Yeah, you know, still be a black and white film. Yeah, I kind of feel, feel like because so like although there's a lot of people out there who have seen that film, there's probably a lot of people more. There's probably more people out there who haven't seen that film. Yeah, and is there a way of retelling it? In a way, well, maybe not even in a modern way. Like actually, go back and remake yeah. it in that same style. Yeah. And uh, play it again, Sammy. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I've never seen the film. I hear people mimic that. So Apparently, I, I don't think that line is actually in the film. Really? That might be one of those urban myths. I might have got that wrong. But I think that maybe that line, we need to watch the film. We need to watch that film. And come back. <laughs> we'll watch that film and we'll come back. Streaming gem. Streaming <laughs> gem. Yeah. It's new Netflix original, <laughs> Casablanca. Yeah. Um, so I asked Beyond the Box Set one of our favourite friends in the podcasting world mm-hmm. and they got back to me and they're kind of right for saying this our whole premise of our podcast is based on our strong belief that nothing is untouchable because their basis is they uh. make up sequels to films and talk through it that being said we will hunt down and destroy anyone who ruins Muriel's wedding <laughs> <laughs> fair enough guys you can't argue with that one yeah I can't argue with that one I've got to say it, it is a classic one so Lucy do you remember Lucy who was on the pod a couple of weeks ago yeah 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 um, she I thought you meant the film Lucy. If, um, well, there's yeah. that, there is that yeah. film Lucy, yeah. which like, uh, is. I was like, the, that could be redone. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Lucy, yeah, Lucy, good, good she, to hear from her. Uh, she's a massive fan of Silence of the Lambs, and if anyone ah. touches that, she would hunt them down. I don't think I don't think Anthony Hopkins could be replaced. Well, they did in oh, the TV yeah. show, and that's actually I, I, I tweeted back yeah, to her just saying if someone redone the TV, if the TV show, because basically what happened was, was season one was uh, really successful, season two nosedive, so they cancelled the show fans were so passionate about this that they managed to generate enough interest to get a third season oh. and they spent the entire third season focusing on the Red Dragon storyline right. so there is a world in my opinion where if enough fans got back to this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they could go down the science of the lambs route now cast a new Clarice fine yeah. but get your Mads Mikkelsen to yeah. reprise the role and come back, I think that I think that could work. But I also think it's a, a touchy subject for, for some people because it is such a good film. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, Jaws, that was another one that, that yeah. got back to us on that. Um, that <laughs> came from Barking Mad about films. Thank you for that, guys. So yeah, there's there's so many out there that you think, yeah, well, mm. don't don't come back to it. I think there's certain films that shouldn't have had a sequel as well. Yeah. And um, I think the Matrix. Sh- I think now knowing what we got with. Uh, revelations and reloaded mm. like there's something about the promise being yeah. far better than the actual delivery so that yeah. last scene in the matrix when neo puts the phone down and then it zooms out and then you had no idea he could do this he just started flying and it flows off and then you hear rage against the machine and you're yeah. like that's something think songs wake up anyway um and you go oh my god that is that the world has opened up there's yeah. a world of possibility this man is a god and I don't know what a god can do. I don't know what yeah. a god can do in this world. And then by them showing us that in the in the subsequent films, in a way which I don't know if it, if it works. Mm. Like I don't know. If, I think if we could erase those sequels from history, we'll be talking about the greatest sequel that never happened, rather yeah. than a bit of a letdown. Yeah, I think like something like Indiana Jones is another classic example. I can't ever see that being remade because Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford, but definitely didn't need the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yes, that is very true. Uh, and obviously, they're, they're talking about making Indiana Jones five, aren't they? Yes, uh, colon. Uh, um, where's my Zimmer? <laughs> <laughs> colon. Crash my plane again. <laughs> um, and I think that's probably going to focus more on the sun. I think, isn't it? Than maybe I don't know. There might be a transition. Mud yeah, from uh, uh, Crystal Skull. Yeah, so I think there might be a bit of a transition. But again. 
that's one I don't think can be touched. I think it's one of those sort of classic films. But saying that, I would have said the same thing about Total Recall, and that's been redone. Did you like it? Uh, not as much. Uh, I didn't like it as much as I thought. I'd hate it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think that's a fair comment. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I agree. There's certain classic films that have been remade and they've yeah. done an okay job. Um, the Day the Earth Stood Still. I actually enjoyed that. I thought that was that was quite good. Was that the sequel to? That was uh, sorry. That was a remake of the Keanu, uh, with Keanu oh, Reeves. Oh right, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic, classic yeah. film. War of the Worlds. Uh, that was a great remake. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that remake actually. Um, um, yeah, so I think I can touch that. Uh, Flight and Navigator. If you remake that, I will hunt you down. I don't know who you are, <laughs> Hollywood, because I know you're listening. Yeah. I will. I will hunt you down, and I will beg you to reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a certain skill set. I'm really, really good at begging. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, what other films do you think are absolutely untouchable? Is there certain films that should not have a sequel to it? Mm. Uh, please do not talk to me about Star Wars sequels, though. <laughs> I've had enough of yeah. uh, enough of that at the moment, um, but I'm sure we'll touch upon that in mm. future podcast endeavours. Anyway, get in t- contact with us at Talk Filmies. Dreaming Gems. I'm hoping you find something to explain what's happening. Which one's better? One or two? Better or worse, no different. No different. So, Streaming Gem this week. Actually, we were meant to review this a couple of weeks back in the studio when we had Lucy. But, we had, again, as mentioned, we had too much of a good thing, so I shelved it till this week. Uh, Velvet Buzzsaw uh, has got quite a bit of controversy in terms of feedback uh, on the Twitter sphere and everything else in between of that. Jamie, it's a Netflix original, but what the hell is it about? Well, I was quite glad actually when we uh, skipped the review last a couple of weeks ago, um, and then a bit disappointed when you asked me to bring it back up again because I had to relive it. Um, I might be called a heathen. I might be called uncultured. I might be called, you know, called many names under the sun. But you've never been called late for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to get up quite early to call me a name I've not been called before. Um, but yeah, Velvet Buzzsaw had all the right parts to it. It had a stellar cast. Yeah, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. Uh, Malkovich. Uh, it had Rene Russo in it as oh well. Like, it had a great cast. Um, but it just seemed, to, for me, seemed to have this missing connection. It's supposed to be this satirical view of the art world uh, mixed in with a horror. So right, the concept okay. is this this painter dies, uh, this, this woman who's struggling in her job stumbles across it, and she works for an art gallery, stumbles across his artwork. He'd left very clear instructions for it to be destroyed after his death, uh, and this artwork seems to like come to life and kill people. The artwork itself. Well, yeah, like characters from the artwork, but it, it, it's weird. Uh, is it like like how do they do it? It's like is it animated? Um, yes, yeah, so there's a bit with monkeys uh, hanging someone, and that's kind of an like animated hands sort of coming out from the ceiling because that's re- replicates a picture. There's one brilliant scene uh, where they've got this sphere. Uh, in uh, the art studio and you're supposed to put your hands into holes and you get a different sensory experience blah 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 uh, and the, the curator of the museum uh, it's late at night she's turning lights off and she goes oh and she just goes up and puts her hand in and there's this great scene where um, her arm is being cut off basically and there's blood spurting out of all the other holes This it is a brilliant scene yeah. and they ended it really short it was like done I was like, no, it's going to be drawn out. Like, Come on. <laughs> Give Come it a on. payoff. I've invested yeah. my time in this. Horror 101, draw this scene out. Make yeah, it yeah. gory. Uh, and there was a great bit where the next morning, this, the gallery gets opened up 
and uh, she's lying there in a pool of blood and there's kids like stepping in the blood and walking around thinking it's part of the installation <laughs> and like making footprints and then this poor, wow. wo- poor woman who works for the gallery keeps turning up and finding all these dead bodies and it's just a sh- scene of her screaming all the time I think it's supposed to be um, a sort of a criticism of the art world and the amount of money being spent in the art world like like in the, in, in the same week that I watched this or uh, no sorry yeah, in in back in November, sorry, I was reading a news article when I was doing my research around this, uh, and there was a Dave Hockney picture painting that sold for seventy million pounds. Sorry, seventy million pounds right. in November. That's the highest amount ever paid for a living artist. But you know there is, and if, if you talk in the art world, there is very much this view at the moment about prices going out of control and how much is being paid for art, and this very much gets addressed in in, in the film as well. Right. So I think it's supposed to be this sort of... Is it preachy? No, no. I think it's supposed to be like a a subplot of a commentary on the art world in that general. But it is supposed to be a horror film. But it does very much have this independent indie sort of film about, feel about it. Is it very pretentious? <sighs> Sounds pretentious. It, it, it felt for me a little bit pretentious, but that's supposed to be part of the satiricalness of it. So I think the satire was supposed to be, ooh, look at these Ponciati people. Um... And I did read one comment online uh, since that where someone said, this is a film made about art by people who don't understand art. Oh, uh, okay, that's kind of funny. And so this, this could be where I'm coming from because I, I don't get it. And, I, and I'm not, it's not, I, I appreciate art. I, I've got artwork at home. I don't just have bare walls with physics equations written on them. You know, <laughs> I, I do have art. I can appreciate a good piece of art, but I don't understand this art world. And I think that's what that film was trying to get across as well as sort of these gory murders as well. There is there is some funny parts to this. There's some chuckly, like, uh, sort of dark humour parts to it. Um, but it, it was a slog to watch it, if I'm honest. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's uh, really complimentary about the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> But it's just, it's just. Oh mate, I'm just reading through my notes again here. Um, for me, I, I also question how scary a painting can be. Even a painting that comes to life, you burn the painting, game over. You know, but again, <laughs> be a short film now, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be a short film. Uh, I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I found it hard, but. You're struggling to find complimentary words on this. So, yeah. Give, let's let's just uh, let's let's uh, burn the picture then. Out of yeah. five, where does it live for you? Because of the cut, the cast were good. Like, like yeah. you know, Jake Gillinghall was great in it. Renee Russo, she was superb. She was brilliant actually. She's Renee Russo. She's kind of like every now and again she'll like pop up in a role and yeah. absolutely smash it and yeah. then go away into the wilderness again. Yeah, and like. John Malkovich played this sort of like Damien Hirst sort of figure, like this really abstract sort of artist guy. And he was very, very good in that as well. It was John Malkovich being John Malkovich, you know, he was great. So I think the cast itself pulls it up. I would have given it maybe half a star. <laughs> uh, but actually, I, I feel less angry weeks on. Uh, and actually the cast itself, and when you try and reflect on the fact it's supposed to be satire, hmm. I'll give it two. Two out of five. Well, <laughs> that's really low for a Netflix movie as well because, mm. like, let's face it, we're always give them a better score because you've paid for it already, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, and I think I think this from what I've read online as well, this has very much got people split. People are either giving it low or high, and you know, someone who's watching this, uh, I'm not saying don't go watch it. I'm saying you know, you might really enjoy the you, film. It's polarizing. Yeah, yeah, and you're on the the back end of that polar. Exactly, exactly. But then again, I like Waterworld, so what do I know? <laughs> so there you have it. Two out of five. uh, Velvet Buzzsaw available on Netflix streaming now get rid of it 
boxing off. I can't save you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Film With Me. Or visit talkfilmwithme.com. You'll be able to sign up to our newsletter, find out when the website launches. We're going to be doing events. There's awesome stuff in the pipeline. But more importantly, I want to thank my boy Jamie. How can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Hannon in Space. Hannon in Space. Next week, we're back in the studio. We'll also have another guest I'll be announcing that on Twitter over the week But it's fair to say If you like horror films You are going to want to tune in to this one Anyway, stay filmy Till next time We're down in the basement We'll lock the cellar door And baby Talk filmy to me